Professional wrestling is the one true sport. Other sports have their share of intense dramatic moments, but nothing can compare with professional wrestling. Welcome to Wrestling History X, where two friends get together and talk about the story behind the matches. I'm Matt. And I'm Michael. Welcome to Episode 6, Starcade 85. The gathering of everyone's blood. <laughs> the bloodbath? <laughs> yeah. It gets pretty hardcore. <laughs> yeah. Literally. This... <laughs> so we're headed all the way back to... This whole show, Hot Take. Hot Take. Is uh, an ECW undercard. Pretty much, yes. <laughs> pretty much. So we're headed back to November 28th, 1985. Windows 1.0 had just been released. <laughs> Wasn't ready for that one, Matt. And got Elmo, Elmo was first introduced by name on Sesame Street. Elmo? I, Elmo's 85? Elmo is 85. Elmo is 85. Elmo's only two years older than me. And he still acts younger. <laughs> Starcade 85 is the third annual Starcade. Produced by the Jim Crockett Productions for the NWA. At this one, they held at two locations. Yeah, that's weird. The Greensboro Coliseum, obviously in Greensboro, North Carolina. And the Omni. And the Omni in Atlanta, Georgia. Oh. And they broadcasted... Like home turf? And then, like, was Atlanta a Atlanta's big... basically home turf as but well for them. Is it? Okay. I just know that, like, all the other Starcades, like... Okay, come from yeah. North Carolina, Georgia, that area was... NWA area. We have a uh, combined combined attendance of 30,000. Exactly. So they're like, oh, well, there's 15 in each room. It's fine. Pretty much. So the show starts... With a disco ball. A disco ball. <laughs> a little <laughs> bit of pyro. There is a little bit of pyro. There is. And we get Bob Cottle and Tony Schiavone talking not just to the TV crowd, but also to the live crowd as well. You can hear them over the loudspeakers. Oh, okay. I want to mention Tony Schiavone's mustache. Because it's rivaling Tom Selleck's at this point. But he, he had a mustache in the last show. Is it bigger now? It is bigger now. And this time, since Tony Schiavone's on the, on the play-by-play, Johnny Weaver is in the back at the Coliseum doing the backstage interviews. And we saw Johnny Weaver as a wrestler, I believe, at 83? So a couple years before. Uh, Shivani's asking him some questions, and Weaver just kind of looks confused, so maybe he just wasn't getting the... His headset wasn't working or something. But then the national anthem is played. Yeah, it's and we pretty... we see shots of the crowd. Like, at first, I thought the national anthem was just, like, played over the speakers, but I think there may have been a band in there. I, I'm not sure. They, oh, didn't, no, they didn't show a band. They didn't show a band, but, like, uh, just sound quality-wise. I have a note directly after national anthem that says, Old-ass lady. So, there may be an old-ass lady on the screen at some point. There probably was. Because they showed, they showed quite a few shots of the crowd while the anthem was being played. Yeah. But we head to our first match of the night. Crusher Khrushchev versus Sam Houston for the vacant Mid-Atlantic Heavyweight Championship. One fall, 20 minutes. Whether you know, like, yeah. You've probably heard this before, but I'm a Sam Houston man. You are a Sam Houston man. There is actually a little bit of a story behind this match. Not really between Crusher and Sam Houston. But the title is vacant. But for the reason why the title is vacant. Buzz Tyler, who we met at Great American Bash, I believe, he was actually the champion 
previously. But he claimed that Dusty Rhodes, who was the head booker for Jim Crocker Productions at the time, owed him money. And so when he didn't get what he thought he was owed, he took the belt and left the territory. So they needed a new champion to go along with a new belt. And that's why we have this match at Starcade. What's with the like yellow jumpsuit refs? This guy, because because he like comes he, in, he wore he's not blue, the... I think, at yeah. the previous start. But he's not like the ref. The ref, he just comes in and like checks for fos. No, he is the ref. He is the ref. He's the ref for this match. But this match is going off from the Greensboro Coliseum. Sam Houston gets a big pop. Uh, Sam's my guy. Uh, You're not the I, only one that loves Sam Houston. I don't know if I should save this for now or later. But did you know that Sam Houston uh, had a I don't know if they were married or if it was a long relationship. I think they may have been married, but uh, to Baby Doll. Yes, I love Sam Houston a lot, and I read an old internet interview the other day. I tried to listen to it, but the link is way dead. So it was just like the, <laughs> it was like the clip they posted the cliff notes, but it was uh-huh. like from like two thousand like three or something. So the like link to the audio download definitely doesn't exist definitely anymore. Does not work. But I am scared that. I'm going to see only a few more Sam Houston matches. It's a possibility. In our grand experiment, the man the man bumps, the man moves, the man looks good in the ring. I got a question for you. Yeah. Did he look bigger in this in this match than yeah, he did the yeah, previous he, time? He definitely is more fit. He didn't get taller, but like he's yeah, he definitely looks less like a shrimp. The first time he's just kind of the shrimp taking all the bumps, but here he looks like he filled out a little bit. So the match is very much back and forth early on. They sell it as power versus speed, and Sam is quick. That's right. Uh, we get leapfrogs and head scissors by Houston. You know how much I love a leapfrog. You, you do love. I love a leapfrog. You love a leapfrog. It's like his, It's about as like as offensive of a move as he has. <laughs> Hush. Those bumps are for you and me. So Crusher powers out by putting Houston in the corner. Sam flips over and a drop kick puts Houston back in charge. Crusher throws Houston into the air. Oh, it's so high. And it's so high. Yeah. For a big backdrop to swing momentum. We get a press slam, a bear hug, and a body slam by Khrushchev. He then goes to the top rope, but a Houston drop kick leaves Crusher dangling on the ropes. Houston then hits a running bulldog and goes for the pin, but Khrushchev gets his foot on the ropes. Houston doesn't realize, so he thinks that he won. And Crusher gets up and hits a Russian sickle for the win. Is that the best finish of this show? Actually, I was like, <laughs> did they watch Wrestling Classic a couple weeks ago uh, and get this finish? Yeah, because uh, Wrestling Classic was in 19 days before this. Exactly. Um, and this is the same finish yeah. as the Don Morocco it is. match. But, it's, but, it's, but it, saves, it saves my boy, Sam. Did it save your boy? Because he lost. Yeah, but he doesn't. Because then we get... And new! Mid-Atlantic. That's right. <laughs> but the crowd is hot for this for uh, Crusher winning this match. And then the, we see a replay. And it shows Houston got his foot on the ropes. But the ref didn't see it. So it continued this feud between the two for a little bit longer. Then head to our second match, and we get our first gimmick match of the night. Raging first, first. of many. 
Raging Bull Manny Fernandez versus Abdullah the Butcher with, with Paul Jones, manager Paul Jones, in a Mexican death match, which means a sombrero on a pole. Exactly. <laughs> and this match is taking place from the Omni in Atlanta. I also want to mention that everyone was basically getting entrances with music because the showmanship of the show pretty much had gone up since the last time we had seen a Starcade. Yeah, but. It doesn't look as good as the wrestling classic. No. But, I mean, there is there is at least some showmanship here. So the rules of this match, as you said, it's basically just sombrero on a pole Which match. is funny that Manny comes out with the sombrero. It's, his, goes on. it's his sombrero. That's, okay. That's... But there's no pinfalls, no DQ. The ref is on the outside, and the first person to grab the sombrero is the winner. So Abby starts attacking Manny. Color. <laughs> as, as the ref is putting sombrero on the pole. Yes, color. <laughs> the lighting is kind of weird here at the Omni. I don't know if anyone... I mean, th- there were some shadows that were... Yeah, I think it was darker than the other... Than, than the Coliseum, yeah. But, like, these shows, like... The NWA shows, like, production-wise, just are are dark in general. Exactly. And watch, switching between them and, like, the WWF event, like, it's like, oh... WWF event looks like so clean, and this looks like fucking grungy. Yeah. Which makes sense, considering the amount of color we're going to get. Exactly. Uh, Abby hits Manny with the bell hammer to bust him open. Raging Bull hits a code breaker. They didn't call it a code breaker. They didn't like call it a code breaker. But that's I was what, not ready for you to say code breaker. But that's basically what the move yeah. was. Uh, Manny comes off the top rope with his boot in his hand. He took his... Yes. Oh, this is this the one. Is this the match where they pass boots, or is that another one? No, it's this match. Okay. He keeps attacking Abby with the uh, boot. He ends up busting Abby open, which we all know isn't hard to do. No, with like, that much look, scar tissue. Literally, just look at him wrong, and he busts open. <laughs> um, Abby goes up for the sombrero, but gets hit from behind and falls off. Paul Jones ends up jumping up on the apron, but the ref pulls pulls him off. Yeah. Uh, good on you, ref. Good for you, ref. Uh, Manny now is going for the sombrero. Abby hits him with the boot. Because uh, all of a sudden, Abby has the boot. I have a note that says, who's got the boot? <laughs> <laughs> feels like they kept changing. Yeah. Abby misses an elbow drop, and then Raging Bull suplexes the butcher. Oh, I was not. Yeah, I was not expecting. I thought it was all... All 456 pounds of the butcher. And then we get a random shot of a fan celebrating by rocking back and forth over her chair. <laughs> With her arm raised, it was funny to me. So I, I didn't catch that one, and I'm the I'm the crowd yeah, guy. Yeah, you are. Uh, again, Manny going up, but Abby recovers, hits below the belt with the foreign object. Looks like kind of like the uh, spike that he yeah. usually has. It's like a fork wrapped in tape, yeah. basically. Uh, but Raging Bull recovers, hits a flying crossbody, and then it's a flying forearm. But because Raging Bull did it. It's called a flying burrito. Yeah, that's gnarly. Also, you uh, did miss one one thing. The, tell me, tell me about it. Uh, the what disgusting. They're both like Abby is so bloody, but he does a headbutt. He does a bloody headbutt. His face. He's all opened up, and he does a couple of headbutts, and it's really disgusting to me. <laughs> like like a headbutt already is gross, and it hurts, and just to look at. But one. With a open head wound and your face covered in blood is extra foul, but that goes into our uh, flying burrito. Exactly. Which uh, normally 
that would probably make me hungry if there wasn't so much blood in the rain. Uh, Manny ends up going for a top rope splash, but Abby moves. And then Abby Irish rips Manny to the corner, charges in, but the bull moves and the butcher goes shoulder first into the ring post. Ends up falling out into the apron, and Manny climbs yes. the ropes and grabs a sombrero it for the It was his win. sombrero to begin with. Exactly. We go to the back, and Johnny Weaver is there with Crusher Khrushchev, where he thanks the Koloffs and Mother Russia for supporting him. But with no accent, though. He doesn't even fake an accent. He's just talking. So He sounds more American than I do. I wrote that note as well. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I did some research. He wasn't actually ever said that he was a Russian. So he's just a Russian he's sympathizer? He's a Russian sympathizer. Oh, well, that's good. I like that. Yeah. I think that's good. Uh, if that was... If I would knew that going in, I would appreciate it more. Because right now I have no accent. Whack. <laughs> exactly. I know. I literally wrote the same. And then I did yeah. some research. So I was like, okay. I'll let it slide. Then we go to our third match. Back in Greensboro Coliseum. Ron Bass versus Black Bart with J.J. Dillon in the corner. Cowboy versus Cowboy. Texas bull rope match. Oh. These two guys used to be tag team partners. But now they have heat. A blood feud. <laughs> exactly. And basically, if Bass wins, he gets an additional five minutes with J.J. Dillon. <laughs> Jesus Christ. And so as they're, co- as they're coming out to the ring, J.J.'s not dressed in his normal tuxedo. He's got his tux shirt on. And jeans. I feel like there's some foreshadowing here. <laughs> I don't know. Basically, this entire match is the two men just busting each other open with the cowbell on the bull rope. That tethered them together. And the finish sees Bass go up to the second rope and come down on top of Bart's head with the cowboy and gets the pin. Yeah, I mean, like, this match... Uh, Was there a wrestling move in this match? No, no. It's just a it's just a, it's just a brawl. Complete brawl, uh, but it's very bloody, and I feel like it's pretty well... I wasn't bored with the match. No, I was pretty well acted, but I just... I prefer a wrestling match. Exactly. For what it was, it was fine. It's not my thing. What exactly. I have an issue with is what we're about to get into. That leads us right into our fourth match, which is now Ron Bass. Oh, no, I was just talking about the J.J. Dillon thing afterwards. Yeah, I was like, oh. I'm like, counted fuck. as the fourth match. Yeah, oh, okay. So, okay. As soon Ron Bass beats Black Bart, so right away we get our fourth match, which is Ron Bass versus J.J. Dillon. Also in a Texas bull rope match for five minutes. JJ takes his shirt off. He looks terrible. He does. Uh, he jumps in the ring, starts stomping on Bass. The ref finally gets the rope attached to JJ, and he continues the assault on Bass with the bell and choking him with the rope. We then get a Bass Hulk up. Yes, we do. And the crowd is popping hard. They are, and like for Dylan to get his. They are. They are. And Bass is besting Dylan when he goes to swing the cowbell. And accidentally hits the ref. And then Bart climbs in the ring. Pile drives Bass. Uh, rolling Dylan on top of... Is that the, fir- I, is that the first pile driver we've seen? Uh, Harley Race did pile driver. Oh, in Star okay. Yeah, alright. Rolling Dylan on top for the pin. So that's that match. Yeah. Uh, too much. Too much everything? Yes. Which, exactly. Uh, yeah, it's going to be a continuing theme. <laughs> Well, let's just say the Coliseum uh, mat is already covered in blood oh, at this point. Oh, yeah, no. Like, I hope that they just threw that out at the end of the night. Exactly. So now we head off to the Omni in Atlanta for our fifth match. Superstar Billy Graham versus the Barbarian with Paul Jones in his corner. 
and we get an, an arm, arm wrestling match. match before another match. That's is the other match a gimmick too? Is it an arm wrestling match into a gimmick match? Yes. Uh, so the winner of this arm wrestling match gets ten thousand dollars. Honestly, the arm wrestling match uh, played up better than I expected. Uh, pretty much. Like I mean, it's not great, but like I paid attention to it. It wasn't a squash. I mean, Graham's struggling. Yeah, he's well, he at first. Well, first they didn't go right hands. No, they went left hands. hands. Have you ever seen Over the Top? I was literally about to make a joke uh, about Over the Top. Are you an Over the Top or a Sidekicks guy? I'm an Over the Top guy. See, I literally just watched Over the really? Top. I haven't watched Over the Top as an adult, but I've seen Sidekicks way more times than I've seen that. You know, Sidekicks, right? I don't think I do. Uh, sidekicks is the probably a little. Bit after that, probably like early '90s, but it's a Chuck Norris movie, and Chuck Norris is well, Chuck Norris. It's Chuck course. Norris, and he's like basically Chuck Norris is like fucking this kid's mom, and so he's like, oh, so he teaches that kid karate, and then that kid he has like asthma or something. Is that Jonathan but, Brandis? Ah, uh, yeah, I think it is. Okay, I've yeah, seen that yeah. movie, and he like punches through the blocks. Yeah, and so he's like, I've got asthma, but I punch through blocks. The guy, that movie the guy forever, that's fucking my mom, taught me how to do it, and like. Over the top is I those movies are like the same stupid shit in my head, but I've seen Sidekicks a lot because like it was on cable mm-hmm. more and I just caught it more often. So we might need a double feature. We just might. We'll put this behind a paywall. <laughs> First Patreon episode. Maybe not. Sidekicks versus uh, Over the Top. Maybe not. But yeah, uh, Graham finally gets going. He's about to put Barbarian away to win when Paul Jones hits him with his cane. Billy Graham won the rest, arm wrestling match. Well, no, I thought that the match was clean because he the he like moved his hand. No, he never oh, he never okay. got him down. The king hit came first for the DQ win, which leads us right into our sixth match, which is the two men fighting in an actual wrestling match. And Barbarian takes advantage of the cane shot to take control. He keeps biting Bar- Graham's head till he bleeds. So once again, we got blood. Uh, Barbarian, if you want blood, we've got. Is that the outro song for tonight? If you want blood, we've got it by ACDC. Or you could just play it in the background for the whole show. It, it's not what I went with. But... <laughs> so Barbarian misses a leg drop, and Graham starts giving him hard right hands. But Barbarian escapes with a throat thrust, which looked kind of gnarly, and then misses a flying headbutt. And then we get the bear hug from Billy Graham. Uh, I think he can. He, his bear hug is convincing. Yeah. He's a big man. Barbarian looks like he's about to pass out when Paul Jones jumps in the ring, hits Graham with the cane again. There's no cane here. So Graham gets the DQ victory in the wrestling match as well. Why? Yo, why? Why not? <laughs> Heard. <laughs> so after the match is over, Graham steals the cane, starts hitting Jones, but Barbarian attacks him from behind, and they end up brawling out into the crowd, which... The crowd is really far away from the yeah, action. Yeah, that's weird about those old shows is like sometimes the crowd is just like not there. Yeah, I was like, there's so much room. Like, you, like you can literally kind of see the crowd out of the shadows. Like, it's it was all those weird. also those NWA shows just aren't lit very well. Like, no, they don't not. show. Yeah, I headed back to Greensboro for our seventh match. We get Buddy Landell with JJ Dillon versus Terry Taylor for the NWA National. Heavyweight Championship. We get our our Nature Boy. Was it Ric Flair or Buddy Landell coming out? <laughs> it's a Nature Boy either way. Yeah, it is a Nature Boy. Uh, honestly, like, but like literally, if uh, you, if you did not know that it was Buddy Landell coming out, 
You could have mistaken him for honestly. Uh, I kind of like Buddy Landell in the ring at this point so far with what we've watched in the ring performance wise more than I enjoy what Ric Flair has done. Hot take. I know that sounds Steamy. crazy. Steamy. Yeah, that's crazy. I'm just basing that off of what we've watched. I'm not saying that he is better than Ric Flair. I'm just saying that he's been more entertaining inside of the squared circle so I far. Mean, so far, the few matches that we've seen with Flair have not been superior. No, like, it's just, yeah. His charisma, like, Buddy Landell has more charisma than Ric Flair at this point, I feel like. I agree. I said J.J. Dillon was with Buddy Landell, but he hasn't come out from the back yet because he just got his bull rope beating. Also, hey, no gimmick, question mark? Who? This match, is there no there, gimmick? There's no gimmick in this oh, match. It's, just, it's for a championship belt. Surprising. Uh, but there is a lull in this match that's so long that uh, Cottle ends up doing the copyright info. Yeah, and that's Tony, true. And Tony does an ad for a future show. Does he? Yes. Watch it. Does the he do bunk- a show for the next? I think, I think it was the Bunkhouse Stampede show <laughs> that's, a, that's not even on yeah. pay-per-view. So. I did like that Buddy Lando like, something about proving himself to be the one true nature boy. Yeah. That was a nice... That was a nice... But like, yeah... Where's JJ? He finally shows up with a bandaged head where he's still bleeding. And then we get Taylor. Terry Taylor escapes from a chin lock, hits a snapmare and a back suplex. And then Taylor is bouncing Landell's head off of the turnbuckle. And the ref is trying to get get him out of the corner when Landell is handed Dylan's shoe, who then hits Taylor, which knocks him into the ref. And then Landell tosses the shoe back out to Dylan. But then Dylan, for some reason, climbs onto the apron, which seemed weird a good minute before anything happens with Dylan. But then Taylor grabs Landell to go for a bulldog, but Buddy throws him right into the ref. So we get two ref bumps in 10 10 seconds. seconds. Yeah. And then Landell goes to Irish whip Taylor, but Terry reverses it, and Buddy goes right into Dylan, who's up, like I said, he's up on the apron. Crowd is popping hard. Yeah. Because they want Buddy Landell to go down. They want J.J. Dillon to go down. Uh, Taylor is setting Landell up for the superplex, but as he goes to lifting, Dillon chops at Taylor's foot, causing Buddy to land on top of him. Chops at his foot. I mean, they say trip, but like, yeah. it literally looked like a chop. Yeah, I didn't catch it as much as like, uh, I felt like it, it looked like a trip. The ref slowly crawls over after taking his ref bumps, and Buddy Landell gets the pin. And new. No! Crowd's super hot. I did not want to win. Buddy Landau to win this match. But then we head off to Atlanta for our eighth match. The Minnesota Wrecking Crew of Ole and Arn Anderson versus Wahoo McDaniels and Billy Jack Haynes for the NWA National Tag Team Championship. I don't know if you noticed this, but Wahoo and Billy Jack actually had belts on as well. Yeah. As they were the U.S. tag champions out of Florida. But those belts weren't we're on the line. line. yeah. Billy Jack is a big man. He is. And he looked... Also, Wahoo got rounder. <laughs> yes. As he got older, he definitely got wider. Uh, but Billy Jack, like, he must have done something for him. Because I n- didn't have any clue who this guy was. And then when I saw him, I was like, how did this guy not become, like, a big thing? No, he looks... He'll, yeah, he's... He's the, the right size 
for a guy that like Vince would love. I imagine that uh, he made some bad decisions because the like the man looks insane. Early on, a press uh, Billy gives a press slam to Arn. Ole ends up getting in, getting tons of right hands from Haynes, and then a big chop from Wahoo from the apron. Then we get more ads for the bunkhouse stampede. <laughs> Poor Wahoo and Andersons. Uh, the Andersons keep the action in their corner, tagging in and out, executing classic heel tactics. Arn's working the arm like the point of the match was the first to dismember a, bo- uh, a body part. Then we get a hot tag. Haynes is in, puts down both Andersons. Some Wahoo chops and Arn is down for the count, but Ole makes the save. While the ref is getting Haynes out of the ring... Arnson's Wahoo to the ropes, only to be tripped by Ole from the floor. But they only get a two count. Wahoo goes back to chopping Arn, but takes him into the Anderson's corner. Rookie move there, Wahoo. <laughs> Rookie move. Ole from the floor trips up Wahoo, and Arn goes to cover while Ole is holding his legs down, giving the Wrecking Crew the win, and still the champions. This was... Fine, I guess. I almost feel like this match was probably supposed to be like 15 minutes long and they were running a little long and so they cut it. Yeah. Because it was like right as they started getting into it, it just kind of ended. It was the finish. So I I really feel like that's, they probably had a 15 minute match planned out and then they got time cut on them. And then we get Johnny Weaver in the back letting us know that there's going to be a 15 minute intermission. But by the power of video... I ain't waiting on you. We, we don't have to wait. So we're back with Buddy Landell, J.J. Dillon, and Johnny Weaver. Landell says that he's the world's national heavyweight champion. Sure, bud. Which doesn't make any sense. And then he says he's going to hold the title for a really long time. Uh, how long, though? Two weeks. That is pretty long. But he doesn't lose it. Have you ever held anything for two weeks? No. <laughs> but he doesn't lose it. He gets fired for having drug problems. Oh. And we never see Buddy Landell I imagine Landell they were again. probably really bad drug problems. Probably. Uh, if he got fired for them. He was styling and profiling way too much <laughs> as the nature boy. If he wasn't sharing with Rick, <laughs> then maybe that's why he got canned. Exactly. So we head to our ninth match. Tully Blanchard with Baby Doll versus Magnum TA in an I Quit Steel Cage match. For the NWA U.S. Heavyweight Championship. I almost took a nap while you said all that. <laughs> and then we're, this is coming from the Greensboro Coliseum. Tully gets smoke and sirens when he's coming oh, out. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, there's, a, there's a couple of entrances on the show, but they're so dark because they all the lights are off in, in these NWA shows. It's crazy. The match is very back and forth at the beginning. They're both pretty, like, even. They throw each other into the cage a few times. Yeah. They, both bleed a lot. They exchange blows. I don't know if there's an actual wrestling move in this. It's very match much a heated fight. Yeah, more and like, than a wrestling match. I watched this like after working like a twelve-hour shift, and I was just like angry. Like I was just like not having a good time, and there was like blood and stuff. But I was just so not into it. But is there any like highlights you have? I mean, from this match, Tully applied a camel clutch at one point. Yeah, there's a couple of camel but, clutches. Uh, Magnum uh, powers out of it. Uh, he then gives Tully a gorilla press slam onto yeah. the top rope. Tully pulls Magnum into the cage, starts attacking him with the microphone, busting TA open. 
I the, love the microphone. The microphone hits effective, very yeah. effective. I did love after the first time they used the microphone to hit someone. The ref is putting it back in the corner, and he blows into the mic yeah, to goes, make sure he's working. That was very bizarre. Also, like I hated the like say it like into the microphone because it wasn't mixed very well, so it was like really grating, and I was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> like yeah, technology and the production quality at the time, it's not the greatest. No, definitely not. Uh, Baby Doll was given some great facial expressions on the outside. You know what's great about this match is this time Baby Doll's not on the line to be borrowed for thirty days, exactly. so it's got that in its corner. Um, after some more back and forth, Tully again with the mic. Ta just won't quit. Actually, Tully goes to pin Magnum at one point, which you can't do. Like it's an I quit. But it gets to the point where like they're so they're both so I mean they're so bloody yeah. and they're so out of it that the. I'm okay with the psychology of him being so out of it that he's just, I am a wrestler, so I know that I need to pin this guy to win, but he's lost blood. Like, I think that potentially tracks. I can see it. I, like, I don't make a lot of excuses for these Starcade no, matches, not. but uh, this one, in hindsight, gets more love than I had while I was watching it. Uh, Tully ends up hitting a top rope elbow drop. Magnum starts hitting Tully with the mic. Say it now! Exactly. Uh, Magnum hits mounted right hands in the corner, and then Tully gives an inverted atomic drop. Tully is so mad that he throws the ref down. Remember, this is an I quit match, so it's a no DQ match. So why is there a ref in there? So why is, All there, you needed was why is, there, why is there a ref bump? Yeah. Well, because a... since the ref's down, Baby Doll tosses a wooden chair into uh, the ring. And see, this is where the match, for me becomes a thing because it's about to get terrifying. Exactly. Tully doesn't hit Magnum TA with the chair. He fucking he breaks, the breaks chair. it the chair to then take the sharp edge. It's like a nail sticking out of the side of the chair basically. But after he breaks it down, he also kicks the ref again. We don't need him. Still, we don't need him. Like we've been hitting the each other with the, the microphone. Oh, yeah. We've hit, been hitting each other with the microphone. Like who cares if we're hitting someone with This match is gruesome as fuck. He goes to spike Magnum with the chair leg. T.A. blocks it well, the and thing slowly is, it's like, powers out. It's like, like you say, he's spike him with it, but it's like he's trying, it's like a horror movie where they're like, someone's like pushing the knife into your face. Yeah. And you're like pushing back with all your might. And it's done so well because I was so not on board with this match. But as soon as it like actually felt real, like it felt like the guy was going to get stabbed in the face with his. I, I'm right there with wood. you. Like, like, I think we were both like, I was all my we, notes in this are like fuck this. This is fuck su- this, this is supposedly, this. supposedly like this infamous match that like people love. Yeah, and like I was out of it. Like no, I, like I was just like this is just a bloodbath, and I'm like I'm not into it at all until the chair leg showed up, and yeah. then there was like actual tension. And I was like oh yeah. Well, the thing okay. is like all the all the brutality that started made like if. If neither of them were bleeding, if neither of them were worn out, then, like, it has to reach a point where that chair leg or that foreign object feels real. And that boring, like, that that brutality uh, lends itself to that. And at that point, I'm like, okay. So as soon as they brought that out, I was like, everything is forgiven. And I get it now. But it's not a wrestling match. No, it's not. Uh, Magnum grabs the leg and begins to spike the top of Tully's head, and is and they're like Magnum's yelling, "Do you quit? Do you quit?" And Tully's like, "Yeah, <laughs> yeah." 
I could even tell. <laughs> that was pretty good. I could even tell. It was like, like the microphone's so bad. It's just like it, when they're yelling into that microphone, I was just like, I just want to put, I want to cover my ears. It's like, yeah. So with Tully saying yes, and no, Magnum TA champion. Yeah, they really saved it. Uh, like I was so not into this until the end exactly. and even till the next day like my last note is decent payoff for some shit i did not care about all caps <laughs> in hindsight it's effective it, it does it does its job the thing is like magnum t we saw magnum ta at the great american bash and yeah he looked like a great wrestler yeah like both these guys can and wrestle and they don't we wrestle know in this and match. we know totally blanchard can, can wrestle. wrestle and it's just like I want to see them wrestle. Yeah, I don't need to see this bloodbath, and so it was just kind of disappointing. Yeah. It's like, I, like if I in yeah, that way, it's like I didn't. I put on Starcade '85, not like Freddy versus Jason. Exactly. <laughs> like, so not to piss us off anymore. Oh, shut up! Let's move off to the tenth match. <laughs> Can we skip this one? The Midnight Express, which is Bobby Eaton and Den- Dennis Condry at this time, with Jim Cornette. Versus Jimmy Valiant. Who I normally stand behind. Jimmy Valiant's like... You're a big fan of the Jimmy Valiant. I, I like, until until I junkyard dogged out. And now Jimmy Valiant's like, like he can, yeah, eat, he, can okay. eat, he can eat the dog scraps. <laughs> and his partner is Miss Atlanta Lively. And they got Big Mama in their corner in an Atlanta street fight. And so, of course, this match has to come from the Omni in Atlanta. Yeah. It's the hour of midnight. Miss Atlanta Lively, also known as Ronnie Garvin, and he's actually a professional wrestling Hall of Famer. As uh, is he a two timer for being Miss Atlanta Lively? <laughs> Does not go in as Miss Atlanta Lively. Also, the Midnight Express are members of the Professional Wrestling Hall of Fame, and their manager Jim Cornette is a member of the NWA Professional Wrestling and Wrestling. Is this Observer. our first Jim Cornette sighting? This is our first Jim on, Cornette on screen. Okay. Midnight Express comes out in their tuxedos. Why? I don't really understand. Maybe that's how they street fight in Atlanta. I mean, I just figured that one of them was wearing a white tuxedo, so he would probably bleed first. Perhaps. (laughs) Uh, Condry goes to attack Valiant, and then Miss Atlanta turns around and throws powder in Eaton's face. There's lots of of powder in this match. Because she's a lady with a purse. Exactly. This match is a mess, and I kind of gave up taking notes. So, like, I'm just looking at it now. I I, I pretty much did the same here. Um, What do you have? Because you're good at this. Valiant hits Condry with a chair on the outside. Uh, Bob Cottle calls it the most unique match. And I was like, that's an understatement, Bob. Uh, Valiant and Eaton are out on the floor brawling. There's mayhem everywhere. We get a Valiant sleeper. Uh, and then, but then Condry throws powder, and Eaton has a foreign object that they hit Valiant with, busting him open. There's more powder, and now the Express have their belts off, and they're trying to undress Miss Atlanta Lively. Uh, the Express have Lively, and Cornette ends up jumping in the ring and hits her with the tennis racket case. Yeah, well, I think everybody might be bleeding at this point. Pretty much. I mean, it's been just a major brawl, just all over yeah. the place. There's a double clothesline on Valiant. And then Eaton goes to hit the Alabama Jam, which is basically a top rope something or other. But Miss <laughs> Aren't Atlanta, they all off the, is it everything off the top rope at this point? Pretty or something much. Or other? Uh, Miss Atlanta Lively catches Bobby with a forearm to the face as he comes down, and then pins Eaton for the one, two, three. 
So post-match, Cornette jumps in the ring and kicks Lively. But Valiant right there, and they start undressing Cornette, which they get him all the way down to his... Skivvies. Skivvies there. Is that, is that a thing? Yeah. Skivvies. And Eaton and Conjury save Cornette, and they escape to the back. The only thing I liked about this match was that... Is that it was uh, over? Well, yeah. Well, I'm being... I'm, this is a little bit nicer than that, but mostly. Is that Valiant... Like has is like his shirt or whatever. They they are the street people, and yes. at the end of the match, the street people win. And I'm like, give it up for the street people, motherfucker. Like I don't care. <laughs> like I don't care about this match. It sucked. Whatever. Just anybody that goes out there and is like, I'm street people, and I'm out. Like that's that's fun, and I'm I'm all for the underdog. Unfortunately, um, this fucking sucked, and I don't like it. I mean, the only thing that I can say positive about the matches give it up for Ronnie Garvin for being like it's 1985 I'll go out and drag yeah and not give a shit yeah like whatever it was it was just like the thing is is like I don't know maybe it's because I wasn't even born yet when this happened so like a guy in drag is not like funny I don't know I'm not from Britain that's not funny (laughs) like I'm like ah it's just a guy in drag so it just seems it's a cheap pop in the South. <laughs> and exactly. I'm like, uh, cheap hop in the South, like, I'm good. I want to see a match. Also, when you name someone Big Mama... She's not big! Do you not expect, like, a big black lady? No. I mean, I expected a, a large lady. I, I was not surprised that she was black. I was surprised that she was thin. And I was like, Big Mama didn't even uh, do anything. Does Big no, Mama show she, up again at all? I have no clue. I have no... Big Mama is now our second person... To not have a Wikipedia page. <sighs> Alright, well, uh, so we need to get on that. So, so are we We're going to write a Big Mama Wikipedia page after this. How do you uh, edit Wikipedia? I have no clue. Just click the edit button, right? Exactly. So then we go to the back of the Coliseum. Johnny Weaver's there with Magnum TA. Magnum, I'm a fighting champion. Aren't they all? I mean, it's the U.S. belt, which is the same belt that they're using today. Is and, that is that is the WWF it's US the, belt? It's the U.S. Open Challenge usually, so that's kind of been the tradition with that belt. So, yeah, yeah, this is uh, probably my least favorite match on the. This next one? No, the one that just happened. Oh yeah, definitely. The next one. Well, next we'll get fun. there. Eleventh uh, match: Ivan and Nikita Koloff with Crucia Khrushchev in the corner, with Rock and versus the Rock and Roll Express, Ricky Morton and Robert Gibson. With Don Cranoodle in a steel cage match for the NWA World Tag Team Championship. This is going to come from the Coliseum in Greensboro. I dig the uh, the Russians with their like pat hug to start. I like that. It's very lot. Russian. Yeah, I mean, I don't know, I don't know what a Russian hug is, but uh, I think that's what it is. All right, cool. Uh, just the Rock and Roll Express are actually members of the NWA Wrestling Observer Newsletter and WWE Hall of Fames. So this match gets started, and like it's in a steel cage, so I feel like that makes it a no-DQ match. Oh, I mean, my first note is, hey, it's a wrestling match, because there's actually some wrestling moves in this match, but continue with, what, with your thought. But they decide to go ahead and do tags. Like, I was surprised that, like, since it's in a steel cage and no-DQ... That they actually did tag. Then it's and not, not a tag. That it was. Well, if it's no DQ, then it's not a tag anymore because you can't get disqualified for tagging. Exactly, that's what I'm saying. And like, but it was a no DQ match, and it's stupid because of that. 
because these guys could have put on a good match. Instead, it was a stupid match that made everybody look stupid. Exactly. The cage is so tight that when they were running the ropes, they were literally bouncing off the cage. So it's like you mean throwing the ropes are so loose. <laughs> throwing something into the cage is oh, you're just running the ropes. Yeah. Ivan Koloff is a bump machine, though. He is. Uh, once he's in the ring, the Express take over on offense. Express with lots of drop kicks off the top. Yes. Uh, Gibson hits a top rope elbow to the head while Morton's holding him. Ivan finally gets a tag to Nikita, and he begins to throw Gibson around with some gnarly, like, like literally just like throwing him against the, the cage, which is kind of cool. I just wish this match wasn't in a cage, or if it's in a cage, if it's no DQ, then it's a brawl. Exactly. Then it could have been like a two of three pins, but there's four people in the ring. So like you could have two pins at the same time. They definitely could have, they definitely could have done something different. For something as like sloppy as a NWA gimmick match, like have it could Cuz I mean literally the Koloffs start doing double team moves mm-hmm. whenever the ref is distracted by the other member of the Express what trying ref? to get in. It's a no DQ. Like it's a no DQ. Like what does it matter? All he needs to do is count pins. Yeah. yeah, the Koloffs get a two count on a pin, but Gibson gets his foot on the rope. We get more pin attempts, and Morton runs in to pull Nikita off. Outside, Canoodle starts a USA chant. USA, USA. Up all night. <laughs> Ivan Irish rips Gibson and goes for a clothesline, but Robert Ducks turns around and does a drop kick to send Ivan into the ref. Or at least that's what he was supposed to do, but good old Earl Hebner is completely out of place, so it doesn't look like Ivan gets him at all on the bump. But he still falls down, because that's what he's supposed to do. So Gibson goes for the pin, Nikita comes in, gives Morton a Russian sickle, and then a spear to Gibson. And Nikita rolls Ivan on top of Gibson, but the ref's still down, because that drop kick was a... That's a big drop kick. Ivan then goes to Irish rip Gibson, but the Express make a blind tag. So as Ivan goes to back body drop Gibson, Morton comes in from behind and pushes Ivan into the ropes, and Schoolboy rolls him up for the pin. And new! Oh, also everybody's covered in blood. <laughs> yeah, because they were just bouncing off the cage all night long. But post-match, Morton gets thrown over the top of the cage by Nikita. It's weird. It gets uh, weird. Crusher comes into the ring, and the three start terrorizing Gibson with a chain. They do a triple team maneuver where it's a double clothesline off the top rope into a back back body drop or a side suplex. And then all of a sudden, some wrestlers from the back come out to help the Express. And it's a big, dumb mess. That one Was this show, was this the Atlanta main event? This was the Greensboro main event. Oh, so the Atlanta main event is... Yeah. Is oh, okay. I I assumed that it would be in Flair Country. No, they but, did it in Atlanta. Uh, they did it in Rhodes Country. Oh, uh, sorry for this, the potential spoiler. This match could have been good, but the nonsensical gimmick psychology crap just like I was just watching it and I was like, it doesn't matter. And no uh, because they took away all the stakes. Exactly. With the way that they they told you what it was and then it they didn't treat it that way. So, like, what do I care? I'll save my, my potential hot take for later. <laughs> so then we head to our main event, the 12th match of the night. Dusty Rhodes versus Ric Flair for the NWA World Heavyweight, Heavyweight Championship. Night. 
So the story behind this match was that just a few months earlier, Flair had beaten Nikita Koloff in a steel cage match in Atlanta. And after the match, the Koloffs were beaten down Flair when Dusty came out to save him. Why is Dusty? USA. Why is USA. Dusty the face coming out to help Flair the heel? Uh, because they're neither of them are Russian. Exactly. But Ole and Arn Anderson would then come out, and along with Flair, would beat down Dusty Rhodes, breaking his left ankle with a diving knee drop and then applying the figure four. That helps. That that's uh, good information, Matthew. So this match starts. We get Dusty strutting. Oh, uh, the Dusty strut's good. He's pumping himself up. He looks good. He's got that white jacket on. Uh, I like that he has one red cowboy boot and one like white, white. cowboy boot. Yeah. And then he's like different colored knee pads. So we get atomic elbow, elbows here. Atomic elbows there. Atomic elbows <laughs> everywhere. everywhere. <laughs> uh, by, also, by this point, this mat is disgusting. It's it like is. baby blue and brown with dried blood. Exactly. Uh, did you notice the fan that just continuously wooed? The uh, yeah, there match? was a lot of woos. Yeah, I guess it was the one fan. She's like, woo! Yeah, woo! <laughs> woo! Woo! One Sorry. more time, woo! Thank you. We get a snapmare, a big knee drop, and a woo <laughs> from Flair. That that's that's the correct way there to woo. But this other guy was. I mean, like, not everybody can be Ric Flair. Dusty looks like he's going to put the figure four on, but then just does a big elbow to the thigh. But Rick escapes the leg lock with an eye gouge and goes to suplex Dusty. Yeah, right, But his buddy. leg gives. Yeah. Because he just got hit in the thigh. Uh-huh. Yeah, this is the, this matches a lot of leg selling. Dusty reverses and gives a vertical suplex to Flair. Then Flair locks on the sleeper, but Dusty lunges forward to throw Flair into the turnbuckle. Dusty crawls out of the ring, takes Flair's leg, and slams it against the ring post. Oh, that's good, and I think at this point, uh, Ric Flair has done some heel-leave-the-ring stuff. Flair ends up going up to the top rope, but Dusty is up and grabs him for the press slam. Starts to put on the figure four, but Flair kicks Dusty off, who lands awkwardly on his ankle. Ooh. Flair goes to lock on the figure four, but Dusty kicks off Flair twice. Twice, yeah. We then get the flare over the top rope spot, and Dusty sends Flair into the ring uh, post on the outside. Yeah, that over the top uh, flare spot, when he goes over the top like that, it looks a little bit gnarlier. It doesn't look as uh, smooth, which is which makes it look better. So when he saves himself from that spot, it's exactly it's a, it's a good moment. It's a, that was me. Uh, later on, Flair sends Dusty over the top rope, but Rhodes recovers and goes up to the top turnbuckle. And then Flair tries to press slam Dusty, but the leg gives again, and Dusty falls on top of him for the one. One, one count. Two. Oh, is it a two count? Okay. I, th- I think there's a one count in this match. Then we get a ten count of punches in the in the corner from Dusty. The thing is, like, I noticed that uh, like nowadays everybody counts the punches, but I feel like the crowd didn't use numbers they just like made a sound every time that he punched and yeah. i was like when did we all start counting when did we decide that math was important to this wrestling match i'm waiting for the woos with the chops as well oh yeah yeah we haven't got that yet but after the 10 count flair walks out of the corner and then face plants that's another one of his oh classic... that face plant was uh was good it's another one of his classic spots i mean i think that's our first face plant so... no he did it 
I think he did it in no. the last match as well, okay. in the last arcade match as well. Uh, we get some lefts and rights, and then the classic dusty hand roll into oh, the double okay. punch. The thing is, is like, is that the hand roll? It's uh, it's silly, but it's, silly, uh, but it's great fun. Again, Flair does the over the turnbuckle spot, but he stays on the apron this time. Goes to the opposite corner and to the top rope. Comes off for a double axe handle, but Dusty catches him with a shot to the ribs. A lot of shot to the ribs on double axe handles. Seems like a... At this point, um, Flair has been opened up, right? Yes. That that was was his first out of the ring over the turnbuckle. Yeah. So yeah, he's got that bleach blonde hair and he is uh, painted. Dusty goes to kick Flair, but Rick moves and Dusty hits the bottom turnbuckle with his hurt foot. Oh, that that spot was weird. It was weird, but it, it's like I, the I, storytelling I, is great. It, it is because you like you told me that ahead of time, and I was like, "Oh, he kicked the thing." Like, but if it was already injured, it's it's fine. Exactly, and that's why it's. Flair begins to work over Dusty's foot as he puts it on the ropes, bounces on it. Yeah, knee drop to the ankle, locks in the figure four, but Dusty reverses it, putting all the pressure on Flair's legs, and Flair releases it. That's good. Dusty starts no-selling Flair's chops, and after an Irish whip, Rhodes clotheslines Rick and goes for the cover. But Flair kicks out, but when Rhodes goes to pick Rick up, they fall backwards and knock the ref out of the ring. Rhodes then locks in the figure four, and then Arn and Ole Anderson come down, attacking Rhodes, and Flair goes for the pin. Yeah, but uh, Dusty makes pretty quick work of them. He does. Another ref slides into the ring, starts counting one, two, no! Flair then goes to body slam Dusty, but Dusty reverses it into a small package for the win. And And no! Uh, Yeah, the roll-up. What's with the roll-ups? Gotta have the roll-up, right? Yeah, NWA is all blood and roll-ups. It's very true. Yeah, blood by the foot. Wrestlers from the back are running out, celebrating with Dusty, trying to lift him up. But <laughs> they, Dusty... lift him up they lift him up, but it's kind of sad because they don't like get him up. Like it's like if you had if you were like really drunk and you had like two buddies like on your your arms were across there, yeah. but then like somebody just like picked your feet up for no reason. It's like what happens. <laughs> exactly. Also, I couldn't name all like. Well, most everybody that came out had, like, bandages on their forehead because they all were bleeding earlier in the yeah. night. But there was a couple of baby faces because it was the baby face locker. And, yeah. like, there was a couple of guys that I was like, I don't know who that is. I mean, I, Manny was the only one that I recognized right offhand. Yeah. Uh, we then go cut to the back. Tony Schiavone's back there with Dusty where the champagne's popping. Yeah. Drawers are dropping. And Dusty says he's going to be champion for a, for a long, long time. time. No, I like he says, this is for the textile workers. <laughs> well, that, it, there was a famous, yeah. there was a famous promo that he actually did leading okay. into this. I mean, I know the blue collar working man, but the textile workers was one where I was like, that's very oddly specific. Yeah, exactly. yeah textile workers, blue collar, uh, yeah. Nobody can beat the people. Nobody can beat the world. Nobody can beat the American dream. Baby. So good. So it's good. good. It's good. This is now our second person that has said that they're going to be a champion for a long time. So don't tell I don't tell me when he loses. He's not. I mean, obviously, he's probably lost it before the next arcade, right? Tell me if that's happened. Do you want to know how long he was champion for? I mean, is he's not going to hold it to next arcade, right? No. So there's not going to be a show we watch between now and the next arcade. Great American Bash. 
Is he going to lose it at the Great American Bash? He will not be champion by the Great American Bash. Okay, that's what I want. I don't want to know if a show we're going to watch where he's going to lose it. I try to keep it dark. I don't want... I don't want to know the ending. I don't like spoilers. It's not a match that we're going to watch. What happens is a storyline. Okay. So Dusty probably wrote the storyline. He did, of course. God damn it. Continue. So, after Starcade, a few weeks later, Tommy Young, who was the original ref, would reverse his decision to Flair, winning by DQ. And Flair would retain the title. So, my biggest complaint with how convoluted this stuff is, is like, right now when we're talking about it, it seems not that convoluted, but it wasn't, there wasn't cable at the time. There wasn't a way for people to see this stuff. So, it's just kind of confusing, and it's like, are they just writing this stuff for themselves? Because not everybody can see it. So, like, what is the fucking point? That's insanity. But this... Is what's considered the dusty finish. Like, I love Dusty in the ring a whole bunch. I love his promos. I like seeing him anytime I, I get promos. to see him. I don't know if he's that great of a worker. He's not in the great ring. in the ring. I just like seeing him in there because, because of his promos and the promos I'm going to get afterwards. I just like seeing him in there. I'm not, I don't expect. A it's a steamboat fucking like bridge out of <laughs> out of a, a pin, but I'm just excited to see him the same way that I'm excited about my junkyard dog. But is he the worst booker of all time, and also one of the most important bookers of uh, all time at the same time? WCW era Vince Russo. Well, I mean ones that ones that count like that's unanimous. People don't ride for Vince Russo. But, I mean, the thing is, Vince Russo did a really good job in WWE. But, well, I, mean, I mean, he had McMahon people say, people, Yeah, people, like, he had good ideas, but there was, like, there was a place where the there buck stopped. There was talent to be able to execute the plan. I think, I think that they're, like, yeah, he might have had some ideas, but, or these, like, extreme ideas, but they were filtered through people that were wrestlers and know the psychology of a match or whatever and like by no means does wwf get off scot-free there was plenty of stupid shit but i feel like there was a filter for russo there but russo is not at this point not remembered as the great guy people are like oh yeah he had some ideas but with dusty it's i mean he's considered bad i mean I, i think dusty's i mean dusty's looked on Positively, exactly. But I'm saying that, like, I know I don't want that narrative to change. I just want people to be a little bit more honest, because most of this shit is pretty whack. <laughs> Bob Cottle ends up showing up, and they recap the night. Him and Tony say their goodbyes. Yeah, and then we get the video package. I love these old video packages where video you just packages. get like the, the, the like I. This one was really good. Uh, the wrestling classic one was. This one was very good because it showed. All of the big spots, basically, mm-hmm. yeah. kind of in slow mo, and then the finishes on a long credit. It was fun. It was a good, good solid recap. Watch the wrestling classic uh, before you watch Starcade '85. And um, if this is the best Starcade, that's a bummer. I mean, I actually enjoyed the show. I I liked. It. I watched it in a couple sittings because I watched half of it and I was like, all right. And then 
I had some like plans like change around and I got off work after working a long shift and I watched it and I was just like, this is just not what I want to see right now. So I was probably a little harsh on it, but uh, I feel like with every NWA match or NWA event, I get a little harsher. I mean, I definitely could have done without the three gimmick matches, the Mexican death match, See, the like, yeah. arm wrestling into yeah. regular wrestling match, and then the Atlanta street fight. Yeah, I feel could like... have definitely done without yeah, those m- matches. Mostly the Atlanta street fight. Uh, also, in my head... But that's your that's your pee break match. It is. But we had a, we had a 15-minute intermission. Like, we didn't, but they did. Yeah. And that was your... You didn't need a... Yeah. But the, you gotta put Jimmy Valiant on the card somewhere. And, and the mid, I, the, mid, I, and the, I, and the thing a, is, the fan, Midnight Express were a big deal back then. Yeah, and that was actually spoiler for one of the most surprising things that they were in that match was shocking to me because they were they were a big deal. Yeah, maybe I like wrestling, and there's just not enough no. wrestling in these shows. And they're like, like I'm all down for dramatic bullshit. I'm all down for the story. I just feel like the stories are sloppy and it's all very important it's just that uh watching the show by itself it doesn't telegraph very well good Where, where's the smart marks at all right fuck you i think it's time to smark it up so what would you find to be the best moments of this show where does this card start uh dusty winning i mean oh yeah. wait he didn't win just kidding yeah, that's bullshit. I wish you didn't tell me that. Uh, for me, uh, yeah, fuck that. Sam Houston will always be a highlight that's for me. That's always a highlight for you. I really like Billy Jack Haynes. Yeah, he looked good. I wanted more Billy Jack. Yeah. The ending of Tully and I was, Magnum. I was surprised that the the Manny Raging Bull, uh, Abdul the Butcher match, mm-hmm. was not a squash. It went on longer than I expected, and I kind of had a good time with it. See, I think that's that's the biggest thing about this show is that all the matches went on longer than than most matches would have yeah. in either one of the but last the two is, Starcade like, shows. Some of them didn't need to go longer, no, and didn't. some of them didn't need to happen at all. Exactly. Uh, I liked that. I liked the flying burrito, of course, because that's funny. Uh, I you you were you didn't really care for the cowbell match. I didn't. I, I like. I thought the cowboy like I, think I mean that, I thought it I I thought it was a fine match but like this I, I was just kind of like yeah. okay these two guys are just beating each other but this up. isn't my style I I think you had that match and then you like three matches later have the Magnum TA Tully yeah. match and it just feels like well we're just beating each with, other with, with stuff with way the too exception much. of the end of the uh, Magnum TA Tully match I if it didn't yeah. end the way that it ended then I prefer the cowboy cowbell match because I was so not on board with the TA I, I agree match. With you. I fucking hated it until the last couple minutes, and then I was like, oh, like, and it was like a weight was lifted off my shoulder, and I was like, I get it, and I was like, oh, this is why even like non-impressive wrestling can be good. Anything disappointing? I mean, obviously, Atlanta Street Fight. Uh, Billy Graham and the Barbarian. Don't even remember it. Like I don't need to remember it because it didn't uh, matter at all. Yeah, I mean honestly, I know this is supposedly one of the better Starcades, but I I liked about one third of the show. <laughs> if you had to condense it, pretty much, I agree. And what's crazy o- is obviously, like the, obviously the 
tag the world tag team match could have been be, good. being a DQ being in a steel cage that means it's DQ and then we just have a regular tag match in the steel cage when they say it's no DQ like, yeah that was very upsetting like I think that that was a big uh, detractor there was these NWA shows are like somebody had an idea and then they just like scrambled it and threw it threw it at the wall and we're like ah they're just like there's no filter it's like they're not all bad ideas they're all a lot of them are fun ideas but they just they're not sharp how about best performer of the night is there anybody that you thought did a good job i mean i'm gonna go buddy landell i mean yeah i i'm a a buddy landell fan i think that was probably my favorite match on the entire show yeah i can get behind that Uh, at this point in time uh, I like Buddy more than I like Flair based on the shows we've watched. And okay. Buddy and Flair look like the same person. <laughs> they really do. Like, literally, if, if I didn't know who Flair was, I would have yeah. not known who was coming out at the beginning of that Buddy Landell match. <laughs> you got anybody? Uh, Best well, biggest disappointment? Uh, biggest disappointment. No bird's eye view camera. Oh, Which I loved from the... From, was it, I think they only did it at the first arcade, or was it... I think they only did do it at the first one. Yeah, I like that a lot in that show, and why not this one? There's There was more blood at this show. It's true. I thought there was color in every match, and I guess I was wrong. There was so much color. More had blood than not had blood. That show is proof that uh, blood does, not, blood does not make the show. Exactly. Because I would watch the Wrestling Classic twice. I agree. Before Absolutely. I watch the show again. How about most surprising moments? Anything surprise you? I guess that that valiant Miss Lady Atlanta match got any kind of response at all. Because, like, I mean, I guess people just want to see people, like, I don't know, a lot of blood, a lot of brawling, but I'm confused to the... There's so many people in this place, and they're all cheering these people on, but... Are they watching a weekly show? Are they cued into these stories? Or are they just drunk idiots that want to see blood? <laughs> and that's, I think, my confusion. Because, like, these stories aren't told to me by the people that are putting on the show. Yeah. And, like, what was the, like... And there, it, it, it very much feels like, like... And there wasn't it, would, it would be hard to be a wrestling fan back then. Because there I wasn't, feel, like, heavy cable back then. It's no not like everybody to... could always see that show. You can't rewatch it. Like, if I were just to be like, hey, let's watch the show... You would have no context to what is happening. Yeah. I mean, we're, we're literally walking into this knowing that we like wrestling, uh-huh. but we have no context other than what little bit of research yeah. that I do. Right and, now, me and you and can find. can like get on the internet and in order watch every like Masato Tanaka Mike Awesome match that ever happened in a row with like basically no issue. And back then, these guys are trying to tell these convoluted stories that they're not even voicing to you in a pay-per-view exactly that not everybody could see on a weekly basis the click of a mouse but yeah i'm mostly just not surprised why the nwa didn't last (laughs) well they're not around very much longer yeah and i'm still excited to see uh more stuff hopeful for like i still had a good time watching this but i would not suggest it to anybody i would suggest the wrestling classic to just about anybody that 
I know cares about wrestling. Likes wrestling at all. Yeah, I'd be like, oh, like, yeah, you watch just like, do you want to watch something, you know, pre-heavy pre Hulkamania? Yeah. That's, like, fun? Like, exactly. Like, be like, yeah, watch the wrestling classic. It's, like, two and a half hours? Of fun. And it, of fun. It's yeah. fun. I have, yeah. I don't mean to talk so much shit. You're fine. I'm sorry, Jim. <laughs> and now for a look back even farther into the history of wrestling. The Dusty Finish. George Hackenschmidt was the first world heavyweight champion, but he had yet to face the man who would become his greatest rival, Frank Gotch. They were a study in contrast as Gotch was more versed in the carnival style, while Hackenschmidt was a practitioner of the more refined Greco-Roman style. The feud had garnered international interest by the time the two would meet in Chicago in 1908. Hackenschmidt had always relied on his strength to put opponents away quickly, but Gotch embodied the slippery nature of carnival wrestling to evade him. Gotch would also make liberal use of headbutts and other questionable tactics, such as oiling his body up so he'd be even more slippery to the touch. The two would grapple for two hours before Gotch dropped Hackenschmidt and locked in his infamous toehold. Championship matches during this era were always contested two out of three falls, but Hackenschmidt would submit to the toehold and relinquish the title instead of continuing the match. Frank Gotch would elevate wrestling to even greater heights in America and abroad. He would defend his title versus Stanislaus Sabisco, Dr. Ben Roller, and Tom Jenkins over the next few years before the Russian Lion would come looking for his rematch. How pissed would you be if you were at a two-hour match that ended in a toehold? <laughs> so next week, WrestleMania 2. Nice. Who's looking forward to that? I'm looking forward to that. That's going to be my JYD Macho Man, right? I think so. I think they so. have a match there? I'm not sure. I don't know. I haven't looked, I haven't looked at WrestleMania 2. I haven't yet. either. I think uh, King Hong Bundy is oh, in the main event. R.I.P. 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 Luke Perry. That one really kind of hurt in a weird way. I like 90210. It's the reason I have sideburns. Is it? Because of Dylan McKay. Uh, see, I'm more of a uh, Brandon guy. Yeah. I'm like, he's just the nicest guy on the planet, but uh, I have I've much love for uh, Luke Perry. So this week, the music? Grab them cakes. Nope. What? You're not playing Grab the Cakes? Or the that end? was last week's episode. Oh, sorry. I'm excited. We're going to play this theme song from Starcade, which is by Frank Stallone. And technically Dusty won the match. We're playing Flair his song. Still... We're going to get plenty of Flair. Okay. We're going to okay. get plenty of... What's the name of the song? The, the 2001 song? Spotch Zarathustra! Oh, God, yes. Yeah, I'm never going to remember that. Spotch. Zarathustra. Zarathustra. Okay, we won't play that one. We'll, we'll play... We'll play the Dusty song. We'll play the Dusty song. Yeah. So we'll play the Dusty song. You can't judge a book by its cover by you Hank Williams Jr. You can't judge a book by its cover. That's me doing it in the... And <laughs> Huey Lewis. <laughs> so technically we've had two straight weeks of Huey Lewis supplying us some music. What was that? Wait, he did... He did the opening theme for Wrestling Classic. Back the Yuppie Rock. That's exactly. great. So if you enjoyed this show, please uh, rate and review us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or just wherever you find your podcast at. And if you want to talk to us, uh, you can email us at WrestlingHistoryX at gmail.com. Or you can find us on Twitter at WrestlingHistoX, 
Wrestling H-I-S-T-O-X. We'll talk to you next week.